This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But I, the fact is a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing? In order, you know, that that would make it better. Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is, is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that, that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 37, sponsored by GeekArmor.com. Hey, and welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast. This is our 37th episode. Uh, I'm Josh. I'm here with Ron. Hey. And Connor. Hi, everybody. Online from Arizona. A <laughs> <laughs> little, little computer problem. Maybe you heard a little bit of a, a something in the Superman podcast. We decided to bring him in on the phone this time, which we also think is really funny sounding anyway. Yeah, best to, best to play it safe and get a lot of uh, first-time caller, long-time listener, first-time caller jokes. And, and it's so much fun for me to hold this phone up to my ear for... However long we do this, I'm not going to make a joke about the heat. I'm not going to make a joke about the heat. Sweaty ears. <laughs> uh, anyway, so here at ifanboy.com, uh, we like the comic books, so we started up a website where we could talk about them. Uh, in addition to other threads and stuff we want to talk about, every week we each read a whole bunch of comics that we buy, and then one of us will do the pick of the week, which is the best book we read that week, um, and we'll write it up on the website, and then we come here and do the podcast and talk about it and whatever else strikes our fancy. Um, the rule is that you're supposed to pick one book that's the best, but Ron is a little confused about how that works. We're going to get to that in a second. Here's my disclaimer. We're going to have to do this every week so we don't get the angry emails. It's a review show. As such, we'll be reviewing as opposed to previewing. There may, in fact, be spoilers, so be warned from here on out, we're talking about the books that came out just this last Wednesday, uh, which was June 20-something. And <laughs> 28th. 28th. June 20th. Yes, yes. We're going to write that down in the future. Won't, won't experience that hiccup. Um, so, without further ado, I'm going to go and give it to Ron, who just has some problems making a decision. Oh no! I know it's not a, it's not an indecisiveness issue. Rather, it was. Um, and admittedly, you know, I knew I strayed away from our format. But hey, you know, it's nice to shake things up every once in a while. You and, did do and, the the legendary comic strip style pick of the week that one time. Which that was really good, actually. <laughs> that was, that was, <laughs> it was four hand drawn panels of awful comics. Well, no, because what, what that was when uh, Marvel did the Nuff said uh, event when there was no words, words in any of their books, so I didn't put any words in my review, and I drew a comic in my review. He did. He did. <laughs> Yeah, oh, the, back to the past. Pretty, that was pretty good. Anyway, it was. so um, yeah, so this week was tough. I'll I'll freely admit that this was tough. First and foremost, I had thirteen books. I bought thirteen comics. I spent like forty something dollars. It was awful. On, on top, top of, of everything, on top of the forty dollars I dropped on a bunch of indie back issues the day we went to see Superman on Tuesday. Um, so which I haven't even touched that stack because I just got them back because I left them in Connor's bag. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> it's not a whole other story. That's just it. I just left them in his bag. He said, "Hold yeah, my hold my comics during the movie." Connor yeah. said, "Okay," and then and they I left. forgot to take them back. There's no. There's it's not like else. it's yeah. not like. And then the gypsies came. It didn't exactly. happen. Yeah, but anyway, there was a ninja so, at one point. <laughs> a pirate. It was awful. So, um, 
So, yeah, so I got 13 books, and now, as we've discussed before, the way I read my books is I, I pick the books I'm most excited about and I think are going to be the best, and I read them first, and then it's I make like my way... It's like eating dessert first. Then I make my way down to the rest of the books. Well, no, I, for me, it's a concentration thing, because by the time I'm at the bottom of 13 books of, of comics, I, I'm my energy is sapped, and I and honestly, that 13th book, I flip through more more often than not. Like, I, I read it very quickly. Like, I don't, you shouldn't you know. even buy that book, then. Well, no, and sometimes I go back and I read it when I have more time and whatnot. That's the exact opposite the way we, we read our books. When I'm not on the hook for the pick of the week. I'm very interested by that. I thought, I thought the way I read books is the way everybody read books, but I no, guess I, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a delay of gratification. Now, granted, you want to build the quality up, not go down. Yeah. Well, my, my point is I want to I enjoy the comic when I'm at my freshest and when I'm at my best ability to, to digest it. Given so. the deadline of having to do the pick of the week on the Wednesday night, I can understand that because you want to check out things. I'm not going to waste my time with with the worst book, the book I know I'm not going to pick. But when you know? I don't have to, when I don't have to read them all at once, I do spread them out over a few days if I have to. So that means that the last couple of things, which were the ones I read last night, were the best books. Yeah, which and I try, and the thing is, I try to get them all read on Wednesday. So anyway, yeah. no, no, anyway, we're we're digressing. So um, so the six books that ended up being the pick of the picks of the week, um, <laughs> that was it two the, or three? It was six. In the in the order I read them were um, and I'll and I'm basically what I'm going to just gonna go through and is I'm going to talk about each book real briefly and then we can discuss it and then I'll get to the, my main gist as to why I picked all six books. But the first book I picked up off the stack was Wolverine number forty three, and um, this was the first of the five Civil War tie in books that can, that I bought this week. There was a sixth for Fantastic Four, but I'm I have no interest for some reason I have no interest in Fantastic Four, so I didn't pick up that one. Because um, I didn't want to read 22 pages of Reed and Sue fighting over the the registration act. Like, okay, I get it. You know, they disagree. Ooh, family strife. Uh, but oh, apparently it was about the. We're doing it fine, and now we're going to get a letter. But apparently it was about the thing in Yancey Street, which which might have been pretty good, but whatever. Nonetheless, um, maybe if I only buy two books next week, I'll pick it pick it up. But um, so Wolverine number 43 is continuing the the Civil War kind of subplot of Wolverine going after Nitro, who is the person who caused the whole Stanford um, situation, because he's pissed off that um, nobody that Iron Man and nobody else felt the need that that he was a priority to go track down Nitro and and kind of del- you know deliver justice for killing you know 600 people of which I guess 60 kids were. In, were Killed? Yeah, 60 kids. Yeah, they 60 really hammer kids. that home. Yeah, exactly. Um, so f- we talked about it a little bit last time this issue came out, but so far this Guggenheim guy writing and Humberto Ramos's art on this book has made Wolverine like a must-read in this whole Civil War tie. And it's you just, and hate this-, this kind of art. I know, but no, but I love Ramos. I've always loved Ramos. I don't know why. I I, I hate this kind of I, I hate this kind of Chris Bacciolo kind of art. I can never say his name either. He's, he's going to take over the X Men pretty soon, you know. I know. I'm don't, don't get me started, but um. <laughs> But um, I really like how he draws a very stumpy little Logan. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, I really like Ramos a lot. I don't, I don't know why. And he's nice. He was nice to me at the con. So um, he drew me a, a flash, a flash head. Nice. So yeah. Anyway, um, so in this issue, Wolverine tracks down Nitro and um, ends up fighting him and and getting ready to deliver his brand of justice. Nitro does fight back and actually incinerates Wolverine down to a skeleton, and somehow Wolverine regenerates very quickly. Yeah, but that was a bit of a leap. Yeah, it was a little bit of a leap, but um, but we get a hint of a greater kind of scheme or a greater kind of plotting um in this issue when Nitro checks in with whoever his handler or who he's working for was, mm-hmm. um, just just a taste, just a little hint of the greater. Did sub, you, you guys? Know. Did you? Did either of you know who the surfer guy is? I had no idea. Okay, good. No. To be honest, yeah, I had no idea. I assume that we're gonna find out. All right, that's fine. But um, I never know that in comics if it's something I should know or something I'm going to yeah. know. But one of the, the the thematic reason why I like this book a lot was because you know it just it reminded me of the Wolverine that I kind of you know I like everybody else fell in love with in the eighties um, this you know kind of driven sense of right and wrong and and sense of ability to carry through what he sees as right and wrong and not being able to walk away from something that's not that's not right in his book you know be it teammates or friends or family be damned. Um, and it was that kind of drive that Wolverine kind of has lacked over the you know, now that I read this issue and think about it has lacked over the past you know five to ten years, um, but it was just that kind of you know that that sense of you know that he's going to deliver justice because nobody else will, and it was it it was really good. So, um, so that was Wolverine number forty three. After did, Wolverine, did, just real quick, I'm sorry, did you read Greg Rucka's run on Wolverine a year or two ago? Yeah. I thought it was the same sort of same same sort of attitude. I really it was no it. great. It was no great shakes though. I mean, I know I know good. you're you're praying to the mantle of Rucka, but it That's was true. it was all right. All right, yeah, just uh, okay. you know whatever. 
So, um, Amazing, Spi- Amazing Spider-Man number 533. Um, this is the begins moments after the Civil War number two reveal when Peter Parker reveals his identity to the world. Um, and I find it interesting that, you know, they gave the reveal to Civil War number two and Miller, but they gave the ramifications and the kind of, you know, the moments after the JMS kind of a nice, um, in, in amazing, kind of a nice, um, I assume compromise. I imagine they probably fought over when the reveal should happen and what book it should happen. Um, but this book was really interesting because it literally starts the moments after the press conference and we just see the snowball effect of this revelation of this, you know, unmasking occur. Um, you know, we see, you know, we continue to see Jay Jonah's reaction and his, how mad he is at, at being lied to. And it was, I thought it was really interesting at Jay Jonah's, um, response, not so much that he's mad that Peter was Spider-Man, but that Jonah felt as if he treated Peter like a son and really believed in Peter Parker as a person as one of the last honest people in the world. Right. And, betrayal and, more than anything. Exactly, to see this as a betrayal, which which I think if, if they were ever able to sit down in a room and talk about things, I don't think Peter ever recognized or realized that aspect of it because he always saw Jonah as somebody – because to Peter, the way Jameson treats both Peter and Spider-Man was one. Well, Jameson, of course, didn't know that they were one, so they're separated into two. And I think that was a really interesting dynamic that um, I didn't expect, actually. Um, but it was interesting to see, you know, the, the from the protests to the walking off the plane and getting slapped with a lawsuit from the Bugle, which I thought was a nice touch, to um, the little vignettes of all the different villains finding out the news. I, um, I was a really big fan of the idea that, like, just when when this happened a couple of weeks ago, everybody... Not everybody, but a lot of people were like, "Oh, I can't believe they did this with the character." And this this issue is so great because he was so upset because he can't believe what he did with the character. A bit like, of a whoops. He's, why did I do that? Moment. Exactly. It's it's it's, just a, it's almost like this idea that he you know he has this great sense of responsibility and 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 sees this as the right thing to do, but then moments after has this you know the pangs in his stomach saying, "Oh man, what did I get myself into?" You know. And he's really unhappy about this the whole way through, and I thought it was I, I it was really an interesting way to take it because. He's sort of unhappy with his decision, and it seems to be getting worse and worse. Right, exactly. And I th- and I thought that this, of course, you know, lays down the groundwork for what we predicted, you know, in the last podcast, which is, you know, Iron Man's going to stab him in the back. Iron Man's going to betray him. Um, it's going to happen. Uh, and it already kind of started when moments after Peter's um, press conference, Tony holds a press conference of his own, stating that, you know, now that the act has been passed and the deadline to register has passed, that they're going to go after the ones that didn't register. And he dropped Spider-Man's name as one of the heroes who are going to do that with whatever means are necessary. And Peter I don't know if it was aware. betrayal, but I mean, it's certainly mm. he's certainly um, what's well, manipulation? Like, yeah, he doesn't want to be in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, you know, you know that's it's it's the manipulation of using a miscommunication between Tony and Peter as to this is what Peter meant. This oh, is what absolutely. Tony meant when he asked Peter for his full support. It was less not, than above board. Yes, exactly, exactly. You know, you know, it was really nice then. Then following that, the, the confrontation between the two of them. Yeah, uh, where Peter really asserts himself, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, it, it was well, something that's really interesting about that is that when you look at the way that they're they're posed towards each other, and and sort of Peter is wagging his finger at them, you can't see their faces, but you really get the sense of the emotion. I don't know if it's the way they have the body standing or the way that the dialogue's been written, but you could tell what their faces would look like. You can see the oh, indignation really? on Peter's yeah, face. Yeah, have that scene be in costume. I thought it was a good touch. It was a really good touch. Yeah, it's it really so really well done. Yeah, but um. But what struck me about this issue from a theme – again, from a theme standpoint is, is that you know, here we have you know, Peter dealing with the responsibilities of his actions as well as you know, dealing with the um, – dealing with the, both the, you know, the, betra- the Jameson betrayal but as well as the impending kind of you know, not good feeling in your stomach about what's going to happen with Iron Man and to know that this betrayal you – know, to read it and to see the writing on the wall that something you – know, that it's going to get worse. Um, and you know, the thing is, I mean, if, I don't know if they're going to make Iron Man into a villain – or make him evil in this kind of angle, but like the shots in the press conference when they're zooming in on his face as he's talking, and just the kind of sinister eyebrow and the whatever means are necessary, really kind of. I'm not gonna be surprised if at the end of the Civil War, Iron Man's on the other side of the fence in this kind of you know good versus evil type of situation. So, um, what do you think the chances are that Reed Richards actually uses a big old clunky cordless phone? <laughs> <laughs> It's a very good point. Even <laughs> Sue was on. It wasn't Sue on a headset. Sue's on a headset, but like yeah, yeah. I'm looking at I'm looking at Reed. I don't think he's using that. I think yeah. he can do better. He can at least go Bluetooth. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good point. Or something better. Something you know, the next up from Bluetooth. You know, I don't know. Well, if you look, his phone has gotten thinner, but in the four panels later. 
Yeah, it is true. Yeah, yeah. Oh? And he's curiously looking at a screw. That's <laughs> so odd. Maybe he adapted the phone in that conversation. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, um, so that was re- so those two books were really really great. So then after I finished Spider Man, I'm like, great, I'm gonna have you know, I'm gonna this is gonna be a tough decision between these two books, and I'm only two books in. So then the next book was um, X Factor number eight, um, which is you know no surprise that I'm a huge fan of 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 this run since the first issue and before this the Madrox miniseries. Um, I really like what's going on in X Factor because it's I feel as if it's totally under the radar and it's the one book that seems to be linking. Um, the House of M and Decimation events to the current Marvel continuity, and I feel as if you know, in, in a couple of months, the, the events in this book are going to be like one of those ones where people are going to have to go back to the back issues to read to fill in because it's going to have big ramifications. Um, so yes, yeah, so, I mean, that's, I, no, I think you're absolutely right. It's a book yeah. that feels like it's under the radar, but the things that are happening in it are completely significant to the overall yep. sort of Marvel universe. It's neat in that way. It totally. feels like afterwards you're going to go, wow, this book really mattered, and, and I'm guessing a lot of people won't have read it. Yeah, Especially exactly. since people are always asking where are the X Men and all this, and this is really the only place the X Men are. Right? Yeah. This is the, this is the X family kind of dealing with mm-hmm. it. Um, but um, and especially considering that you know Siren uses her persuasive powers to get Spider-Man to spill the beans about House of M, so now they know what the secret is. And really, what you know, what I really liked, the, 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 what got me excited the most was the last panel, the last page of the book, where it's you know, like I love that feel, that like, same thing like that Daredevil a couple of week, a couple of months ago when you know what's coming, and to see that last panel be a full page thing with the with their their townhouse in the city and Siren landing on on the roof and Quicksilver walking in the door and Madrox and Strong Guy coming up behind them, like you know that there, there's going to be a not a conflict, but it's going to come to a head. Yeah. Um. And I and I really like the you know the Layla Miller Quicksilver interaction towards the end. And I you know not a lot of people probably read the Son of M miniseries that had to do with Quicksilver, but um and it wasn't that great. But I'm really I, I think what they've done with Quicksilver as a character by making him responsible for House of M and then putting him on this road of like redemption and seeking forgiveness is is a great thing to do to a character and it just it gives a great story. And to see him, you know, after the whole debacle of the Son of M miniseries, to see him come back to his old teammates of X Factor, I don't know why he's here, you know. And the fact that Layla Miller's there and knew that he was coming kind of you know, makes knows. the mystery even she bigger. Yeah, I know she does. Hey, well, let me ask you real quick. I don't know if you can summarize it. What did Quicksilver have to do with House of M? He everything. I mean, he's like, the one who, he, I, he's I the read one, that it was he was responsible for it, but. He talked Scarlet Witch into using her powers to make the the House of M world. Oh, right. so um, X Factor I really liked. I know Connor, you didn't dig the art as much. Um, no, I thought this guy does a little. He goes a little too on the nose with the um, facial expressions. He tries he try to use photo referencing, but some of them are just odd. There's one bad panel. It's the one where she actually does the Siren does the seduction power of Spider Man. Yeah, that's yeah, bad. Like Head on shot of Siren. And, oof. I thought yeah. all the ones with Monet were bad and. Um, Richter. I, 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 mean, I like the style, the shadowy noir style fits the book, but yeah, he when, he when he tries to be very, very specific with the facial expressions, it doesn't no, it reminded me of it reminded me of a colorized version of Jinx. Yeah, yeah, like the the, the panel um, when Spider Man is fighting the guy, and like it's very fo- I can see the photorealistic angle of it. Yeah, and so I can see that, but um, but um, I liked it because they kept the, they kept the look and feel. Um, so X Factor really, I, I mean, I, I, it was good. Mainly because of the impending, you know, things that are going to happen with it, plus also the the prospect of, of bringing Quicksilver into the mix and his seeking for redemption. Um, I really liked that. Um, so then the next book that I dove into was New Avengers number twenty one, which was a breath of fresh air after last week's New Avengers number twenty debacle. Um, it was the first Civil War tie-in uh, within New Avengers, and had Howard Chaykin on uh, doing a guest spot on the art. And it takes place between uh, Civil War number one and Civil War number two. And it really focuses on Captain America, and I'm guessing that this is going to be the where we see Captain America's point of view told, as opposed to his own book, because that's not really Civil War affected. No, it's not right tied now. in at all. Well, this yeah. is the only issue. I mean, every every issue of this tie-in is focused on a different character. Oh, okay, let's get. So to this that. is this is all we're going to get out of Captain America. Right. And what what I what I really liked about this is that um, basically in the issue is that it, it shows it's it's um, showing Captain America team up a Falcon and start building his kind of resistance force, and he goes they go him and Falcon go to recruit Hank Pym only to find out that Pym is on the other side of the fence and yeah. they have to fight their way out. It seems um, to be taking place between Civil War One and Civil War Two. So they're right, not, they're not quite caught up yet, but it's 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 like leaps and bounds above where they were. So yeah, I think exactly. by by just bringing this out this week, they're making up a lot of ground, which is good. 
Yeah, exactly. And what really got me about this was the was Bendis's um, kind of the first couple pages of the Captain America kind of internal dialogue narration, where you know he's reflecting on the situation that he's in and basically you know feeling you know like saying I'm not even supposed to be here. You know, like it's just not like he's he said, you know, why did they un you know, unfreeze me from the ice? Why didn't they just leave me? I'm from another time. Why should I even be dealing with, with these issues when they're not, you know, like this isn't really my world, the kind of the man out of place um angle of Captain. And then brought back the whole artist aspect of Steve Rogers, which they have you haven't seen in years and years and years and years. Yeah, I totally forgot that he was an artist and like and using that to be like, you know, for him to say, you know, I should draw about you know, drawing made me happy. Why did I stop? You know what I mean? Like this kind of, you know, really internal reflection as to what made him as a person happy versus this path and this life that he knows of service and Avengers and America. Um, and it really kind of subtly makes you, makes you see the kind of the balancing act between him as to dealing with what he, you know, feels is right versus what he's being pressured to do. Well, the central Um, question of the whole, the whole storyline is asked by Captain America in this book, which is who are we playing ball with and who are we playing ball for? And why can't anybody answer these simple questions? Right, yeah, and, and that and that it kind of it ties in because you would think that Captain America. Well, one would think you know one who doesn't know the character, or the history, or whatever would think that Captain America would just kind of fall in rank with what the government was doing um, he's with the registration act. He's quite cynical. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, but 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 that's part of the American spirit. I think is being cynical and making to, sure to, that well, yeah. to half of us. I mean, like mean? literally, like there's like that's like the split of what is patriotic. Is right, it patriotic yeah. to go with your government, or is it patriotic to? expect the best of your government and mistrust them when you think they're doing the wrong thing. And right. it's interesting to me, for, for no other reason, that, that Marvel have said, well, let's take the stance with him that he's the kind of person who wants to question the government, who wants but to... He's always had that history. He's, 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 left, he's left Captain America a few times because he's been disgusted with the government. Maybe he'll put on the captain suit again. Or Nomad. Ooh. I want Nomad. No, you Nomad don't. Ruled. Nomad ruled. Come on, the duster, the du- the long leather duster jacket. Oh, no, that's great. that's new Nomad. He wore, he didn't wear that costume. He wore the old oh, right. exposed head and the big. Oh, you're right. Was, yeah. Did he have exposed chest in that one? Yeah, a little he had, like the open chest. It was very yeah, I see. Uh, but um, yeah, we never want to see that again. But yeah, but that I think that kind of like you mentioned that that scene with Pim where there where Pim is you know saying why don't you just you know just pl- play you know, ball. See, the big, see the big picture and play ball with us and him questioning that is is sums it up right there and. Um, and I don't know. I just I really like the how Bendis. I think Bendis did a really good job of approaching this character. Um, Josh, did it, you notice anything anything funny about this issue? I I, I did notice one thing that I, I kind of wanted to bring up, and I'm I'm going to be delicate. Um, I don't. I'm not enti- I'm not quite entirely familiar with uh, Sam, the, the Falcon. Um, I don't quite remember him being quite so urban. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. No, I'm 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 not really being flippant in the fact that I just. He, his uh, his black man dialogue seemed a little forced. That that first line right out of the gate when Falcon t- teams back up with Captain America and he goes and he says something like you know, listen brother, I'm not down with what they're pe-, you know like what they're yeah. saying. And it's just like it, was it like, really uh, strikes me as it's it's one of it. It might be unfortunately it might be one of Bendis' weak spots like Wolverine, but I, I think that he may it's have very out of character for Falcon. Um, Is it? it? Did not sound like Falcon at all. I mean yeah. like. Maybe if it was John Stewart, I, could, I I guess, but that wouldn't make any sense. But still, like he's John just Stewart? like the first, huh? Well, John Why Stewart John? was a little more from the street. Oh, he wasn't, was he? Yeah, in the original when he first showed up in Green Lantern. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he oh, was. right, in the seventies. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, not anymore. Now he's been uh, gentrified. Um, anyway, <laughs> but like the first thing out of it is like, "You passed out, man." I'm like, "Come on!" Uh-huh. Like, and I feel like, blood. I feel like I feel like I feel like Bendis was really forcing it with that. And that's not the character. And he did that with, um, like, when they reimagined Luke Cage, and I think that more belongs to Azarello because he put him that way. But like, yeah, Azarello, it's all Azarello's fault. They're, they've sort of retconned that sort of whole miniseries. But this, this, this dialogue, the way of speaking, makes sense for Cage. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. It does. For, well, it Cage is softened. Cage, right, when they yeah. first, when he first started writing Cage in the beginning of Alias, Cage was was uh, sort of very street, and and now. Uh, He's less so, but he still say, he sounds authentic, but not over the top. And whereas this, this flight, this felt this felt forced. This felt this felt what it is, right. blood. Like yeah, it's it's, it's just, just silly. 
It didn't feel right. Yeah, and may, like, maybe. I mean, and I don't know how much experience Bendis has writing with this character. Maybe he just mm-hmm. needs to flush it out and get the feel. But I mean, you know, it, it's just it's now Wolverine, Falcon, and and you're but, absolutely right. This is showing a trend of dealing with African American characters. And the, and the teenagers, talk. like in in Ultimate Spider-Man, like some people have said, like the yeah. like the the talk is a little outdated. Yeah. Oh, it's very outdated. It's just yeah. the same kind of thing. So, like, if he writes these introspective Spider-Man type characters, people who are stuck in their own head. He can do that really well, but when he kind of has to get out of that white guy, or even he can do women too. Um, he does. He does. It shows a little, right? So He's not um, perfect. That's that's you know, not yeah. what he is. No. So after New Avengers, um, I dove into Civil War Frontline number two, um, which um, which Had a again questionable cover. Quite, quite, yeah. Well, again, a, a, an example of my why I don't like covers, but not by the artist and also painted. But whatever, that's that's my own personal, you know, complaint. So I also, but, I didn't like Jake and Spindly legs. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> but um, again, I gotta say, this book was two ninety nine, and it's like thirty nine pages, and you got four stories in it. I mean, like this is the biggest bang for your buck as far as Civil War goes. But that's not why I picked it. Did you say it was um, Dane Cook as Spider Man on the front? It definitely looks photo reference of Dane Cook's face, which is stupid. Um, <laughs> also, I mean, if, you, if you're going to reference the movie version of J. Jonah Jameson, you might as well reference the movie version of Spider-Man. That, that would make yeah. sense. Be- yeah, be- make besides the fact that it appears on the cover that the unmasking is taking place outside somewhere. Yeah, and, and Iron Man's behind him and not Tony Stark, but yeah, whatever. But anyway... Um, so this this issue uh, this issue again is continuing you know the the um, the story of Ben Yurick um, and the other reporter who only gets two pages I think in this issue. I feel we really <laughs> have to mention that Ben Yurick is still awful in this book. Yeah, they're ma- they're he comes I mean, across ne- very nebbish, very um, he looks very like sort of reporter Allen. on the down slab, like like Gill in The Simpsons, you know, just help me <laughs> get that one last story. You know, he's leaving, he's leaving a very pathetic, very pleading voicemail for Peter, and it's, it's, this has not been Yurik at all. Yeah, no, it's 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 not a good. It's not. It doesn't. It doesn't pair up to the Daredevil Ben Yurik at all, unfortunately. But um, well, listen, it not just the Daredevil one, but the, any any Ben Yurik we've seen in the past. This is like yeah. a new character completely. Yeah, it's, it's, but. It's, not good. Also, Aside from the the Spider Man, and when when Peter Parker shows up in the elevator, he's wearing like ballet jeans. I don't know what, what those are about. Well, that that just that's I mean I don't think this Raymond Box guy is any good at all. And like the first issue was okay, but like that was the problem with with Generation M, which is the same kind of approach Paul Jenkins and this artist doing kind of like the media telling the stories. Yeah. And the art just got progressively worse and worse as the series went. I hope that's not what's happening in here, but I don't like Raymond Box art at all. Um, but I'm seeing past it because the story is is good, and the whole Iron Man skirmish with with Prodigy is kind of like the first, you know, the the first kind of uh, spark in the in the war. Oh, um, I, th- I thought it was great. I mean, it actually, it actually reminded me of uh, that in you know in the American Civil War when the first battle near DC happened, and like all the the uh, the socialites and the elite went out to watch the battle, mm-hmm. and then like and then like it got really brutal, and they had to get the hell out of there. Wait, wait, wait a minute! Like, yeah, wait a minute! This is real. They're really close, and they've got guns. The fight that takes place with the uh, billboard lighting them in the background. Yeah, really nice coloring going on there. Yeah, the coloring was really good. Rain and and yeah. all the stuff. Like there's that sort of last panel where. Uh, it's actually like this helicopter's approaching and he's pushing down yeah. Iron Man's face. It's a that's a the lighting effects are good. The thing is that this Raymond Box guy he can he can draw heroes well and costumes well. He just can't. I mean, I don't like his people. Yeah, like his, his, his normal, which you know. is sort of a bad choice then for a, for a book that's supposed to be about two reporters. Yeah, exactly. But um, the other so reporter whose name I think is Sally. Sally, uh, Sally the Alky. She had a good little scene with Firestar <laughs> in that bar. Yeah, that was yeah. Her two was her talking were, to Firestar? Oops. See, I what didn't catch that. I didn't realize oh, who yeah. she was talking to, and I wanted to know why Firestar had a costume on in the bar. Yeah, I think that was just that's just a uh, creative license to explain who she is because we haven't seen her for like four years. Right. So. Also, <laughs> it probably uh, serves as legal age drinking because she says she's in college here, so she's yeah. in a so costume. She, she in, won't get carded. Well, I think she's in grad school. But yeah, you're in the X Men. You get to drink. Yeah, <laughs> she was never in the X Men. Okay. Um, Either way, if you were in the X, I don't know. Right. <laughs> she was in the Avengers, so there you go. Hey, that's what I'm thinking of. She was an amazing friend. But it's it's interesting how she was telling about how the 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 real like the real world effects of the C list characters, where she you know she's got to get a job and she's going back to school and being you know this just makes being a hero that much harder and puts her you know loved ones in danger. And so in her dealing with it is she decides to quit and it ends. And probably one of the reasons why she was in her costume and the bad leather jacket was so she can throw her mask off, you know, at the end and say that she quits, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, interesting. And 
I'm, you know, I always like kind of, I always like Firestar. But why do they keep putting Sally around booze? I know she's like in a bar. She actually, yeah, she's drinking too. Uh. She's, well, she gave up. She fell off the wagon last issue. Yeah. <laughs> That's where you can find her now in the bar. Yeah. Any, anyway, but the um the the real star of this issue was the the second backup story that uh, that Steve Lieber did the art for. Steve uh, Lieber with uh, Speedball in in basically you know Gitmo. Um, and dealing with the, the, the deal that the government's trying to give him where he admits his guilt in the Stanford incident and becomes a you know an example of the Registration Act. Um, and Speedball stands up for himself and says he didn't do anything wrong and won't sign anything. And um, pays the price. And pays the this, price. This is how you his, do facial expressions in a comic book. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is really good. And I thought I thought the, the two things that really struck me were the, the, the army guards who were transporting him, kicking his ass in the elevator. Um, and then the um, and then them dumping him in prison in Alabama. They throw him <laughs> off. They throw him into the wolves. Yeah, but the, and it's interesting how they have that the, the red line between the inmates and the the, the equipment room or whatever. Yeah. And, and Lieber, I thought Lieber did a great job of actually showing him cross the line. Yeah, you know, and no and touching. Yeah, and then he gets his ass kicked. So, um, but that really struck me because you know the the you know the the theme of it is that you know poor Speedball doesn't think he did anything wrong. And and is desperately wanting somebody to help him, and the government just won't let anybody help him, and they want to make an example out of him, and and kind of fighting a battle that he can't that he can't win. And it's it's gonna be interesting to see how that this progresses through the rest of the book. He's not completely um, right because they are correct in the fact that he was doing a TV show, and that was irresponsible. I think. Well, yeah, no, well, no, but the thing is, is that I it, it, he didn't he didn't blow up Stanford. True enough. I mean that, that basically what they're saying is that he that that the blame of what happened was his to blame and it was, it was Nitro Nitro did it you know like right. so I don't know but um great but yeah it's a, it's a really good little segment and it's got all these parallels of course to you know right and and then the 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 last two backup stories were were really good and brief and but you know short and to the point but we had a little mini we saw the rest of the uh, Peter Parker press conference where he unmasked. we really saw the, the the meat of the of the press conference this was one of my favorite little sort of few pages of the week i thought um where like it, it was kind of funny and it was like people were asking him stupid questions and he was answering them and he was being honest and then they asked him about gwen stacy and he sort of he was being very forthcoming i thought it was very sort of well done because jenkins does write peter parker very well yeah um the only problem i had is they're still they're still trying to convince us that peter's got three jobs and it makes sense no, it That's doesn't. just going to bother you to the end of the. To it the is end of the because world. Yeah, I understand I you have to. So you have to suspend, you know, disbelief for these kind of things. But you have to. It has to make sense in the context of something. Yeah, I, know, it make I know. I know. But the thing is that they, these are these are all these elements that they've created to make the character. So as opposed to, I don't know. I could. I, I understand why they're doing it, but I and I agree it's annoying. But I, it's not that much of a hangout for me. But, and here um, we see that that shield shield play dirty. Yep, recruiting Norman Osborn. That's. I mean, that's really awful. I mean, that that makes me think that what's really start, we're starting to get to is that. Shield, like whatever the evil force controlling Shield is, is going to be the real enemy at the end of the whole thing. And whether maybe. that's tied to whoever in Washington D.C. that Nitro was on the phone with, I guess will remain right. to be seen. Right. But um, and then the last backup story was a, another uh, Jenkins's attempt to apply the real the real world um, happenings of Civil War with uh, historical context, or which I, I love. Twelve part uh, HBO series Rome. <laughs> Jenkins had a, he had Rome on Netflix this weekend, and then he at the weekend he wrote this, and he hey that's a good idea. <laughs> no, but it, it works though. I mean, because it I, works I mean, absolutely. Wolverine, not Wolverine. Iron Man is across the Rubicon, but at the same time, and he's it's, it's if you've seen Rome, it's, it's, it's yeah. Rome. I didn't see Rome, so so I didn't. It, that carries no weight with me. But um, um, isn't Kano the artist who is doing? Um, he took over Gotham, Gotham Central. Knights. Gotham, Gotham Central. Central. Yeah. yeah. I thought this art was great. I mean, the the intermixing, like the guy drinking and prodigy drinking, and the the battle and everything. Like he, they made the two worlds kind of merge together. You know, down very the nice, pretty well. Yeah, it was it was it was good. The uh, did you think prodigy needed to be drunk for that? I mean, I guess it's the point, but like, yeah, it sort know. of makes that battle less significant because he was just a drunken lout on a building. Yeah, but he was so upset. I could see why. I don't know. Sure. But, I'd be um, upset. I'd be drinking too. He's a lame character. Yeah. So finally, the last book wasn't Civil War, but similar to Civil War in that um, in that it was just great. <laughs> uh, Daredevil number eighty six, which just continues the amazingness of Daredevil that Brubaker and Lark are doing after Bendis and Malieve, and we have you know basically the prison riot breaks out, and we have you know Murdoch having to team up with Kingpin um, to survive, 
and ultimately then you know the bullseye gets into play and 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 uh kingpin hatch hatches a plan for uh daredevil kingpin and bullseye to get off to get off the the prison island the kingpin's got a card up his sleeve exactly (laughs) (laughs) nice and and then we also get you know punisher um who during the riot never leaves a cell and is reading a book, but there's still four dead guys in front of his cell, which was awesome. <laughs> it's it's kind of bold not to show that. Yeah, but um, this was really great because um, again, you know, it's it's Murdoch, you know, dealing with the cards that are dealt with him. To continue the card pun, um, and basically got his back up against the wall and needing to do whatever it takes to kind of survive and to. But also the, at the same time, realizing he's he's gone perhaps one step too far. Well, yeah, and that, that's when, you know, when the riot kind of quells and he sees Bullseye is involved and has to make the decision as to whether or not he's going to follow along with Fisk or not, and he, he kind of gets back, he gets back his center and gets back his, you know, r- you know realization that he can't take, go this far, and basically takes out Bullseye and, and Kingpin in, in a span of, like, ten seconds, which was awesome. But um, great fight scenes, and just, um, and just, and it, and it, you know, while the fight in the prison riot was really cool, but it was, uh, I was more interested in Murdoch's motivations and Mur- Murdoch's, you know, kind of dealing with the situation and doing what he has to. Um, How many that, more that, times do you think that uh, he's going to, uh, Brubaker's going to be able to put Frank Castle on the last page? Like his <laughs> thing. Honestly, he could do it seven more times. I know. Every time. I'll just be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was really cool in this one. Yeah, it was. It was really cool. It was another really badass. Sm- another really small moment that I thought was important in this, and I think is going to come back to be important, uh, is uh, when when uh, Matt saves the warden. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, well, starting to goes, realize that something else is going on here. The warden does when he's watching yeah. it. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's going to be another, another example of great out. great facial expressions without being overly oh. photorealistic. Yeah. So, um, so Daredevil pretty much after I got the in past Daredevil and I've completed those six books over the span of about forty five minutes, I just realized that I was screwed because there was there was really no way to to pick one book out of these, and it wasn't so much because of what you know what happened in the books or or what you know the ramifications of Civil War were or whatever. But after I read these six books, I was just I felt I had this overwhelming feeling, you know, um, and you know. Pardon me for getting a little kind of cheesy and a little kind of you know emotional or whatever. Give the music, but but um, but after I read these six books, I felt overwhelmed not by the the sheer number of comics that I had to read, but overwhelmed by the the sense of themes and the sense of um, really what makes these comics so good and why you know 15 years in I'm still reading them. And I've always kind of you know kind of pushed a, you know pushed off the comic hab- uh, habit or hobby as an, an escapism. You know, kind of like I, you know, work a long day. You know, every Wednesday I can look forward to an hour or two of reading comics and getting away from my reality and getting into these reality. But each of these books were common in that they all put the characters in a moral or kind of personal situation where they need to make decisions or they need to um, they need to deal with uh, situations presented in front of them. And that's really kind of what I know it's been said a million times before, and what Stanley did with with Marvel comics back in the '60s. But that's what's always kind of attracted me to comics and Marvel specifically was that they, you know, they, they, you know, Wolverine has claws and Spider-Man can climb walls and Daredevil's blind but still can do all the amazing things he can do. But at the end of the day, they have regular problems like the rest of us. They need to deal with the fact that they're, you know, they're being accused of something that they didn't do or they need to defend themselves in the eyes of someone else or they need to, they're wrestling with the fact that, you know, the right thing isn't happening and, and writing a wrong or that sort of thing. And they're really kind of relatable situations in extraordinary um, environments. And I thought these six issues really summed it up and made me kind of realize that the reason why I read these comics isn't so much about, you know, escapism, but more about that these are kind of like the, I mean, I know with kids and all this stuff, it's a touchy subject to, to throw this word around, but these are kind of my role models. These are kind of the, the templates of how I would want to be. And it's hard not to, I mean, I, I question you guys or anybody else to read these specific issues and not find some way to, to have that relate to what might be going on in your own life. And, you know, like, you know, like I said in the, in my review, you know, like Wolverine, I want to be the best at whatever I can do. And like Daredevil, I don't want to have any fear. And like Spider-Man, I want to have the sense of responsibility. Um, and that's, that plays into how I live my life. But then I was in prison. I mean, it was a lot like having. Nice. 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 Wait, you know, here I am pouring myself out. Way to make a joke about it. That's really, that's really sensitive, Josh. See, people think we're fighting. (laughs) (laughs) Will you you laugh, please? (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, funny stuff. No, but anyway, but um, <laughs> but the but the also aspect of it is that is that um, these characters are also you know they they have these powers, but they are human. You know, like Quicksil- Quicksilver and Speedball 
you know, you know, Quicksilver just wants to be forgiven and Speedball just needs somebody to believe him and to listen to him. And, you know, and Daredevil, you know, is is completely alone and needs to do whatever he needs to do and make, you know, tough choices to defend himself, but then also be true to the people that he loves. Spider-Man's got to deal with, you know, this sense of responsibility, but also the, the ramifications of that and the dealing with the possible betrayal that will come with it. Um you know, and and the one that got me the most out of all of them was um, was probably Captain America, and just that sense of you know, like I'm not even supposed to be in this situation. Like, how how did I find myself in this position? Um, so <laughs> that you know, so that was that was kind of why I I kind of you know skewed the 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 review this week and went with six books as opposed to just one. Um, so yes, yeah, so that kind of sums that up. Um, plus, it was really hard to pick from thirteen books because so many books came out this week. So many books. When are we yeah. getting a break? That's the question. And the question is that are we buying so many books because they're so good and we're buying more and more and because they're so good or because it just happens to be a busy season? Both. It's probably both. I think a lot of it has to do with Civil War one year later. I'm definitely buying more books. Civil War related, I'm definitely picking up extra titles I never would have before. And one year later, I experimented a bit. And that's that's definitely been the reason why for the last month I haven't haven't had a week where I've bought less than 10 books, which never happens. No, I usually get a, a week, like maybe one week like that a month. But it's been like six weeks straight now. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's starting to hurt. It is starting to hurt. It's starting to cut, in, cut into my bottom line, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but, um, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not, not going to lie, you know, like now because we have the podcast and we have listeners and we have stuff like that, and I, I want to know more about what's going on at the same time, but I'm still not going to buy books that aren't good. Right. You know, well, but there's definitely a creative renaissance happening, especially at Marvel right now. A lot of good books out there. Yeah. It's it's tough. Well, and I'm looking forward to. I'm hoping next week is like the three or four issue week, so I can take a little break. Just I think like we're not going to see that till the fall for some reason. Oh, God. What's your ideal stack of books per week? Five, like six, how, five or six. Yeah, I'd say that six or seven. I'm like seven or eight. Um, that, that's where I'm, <laughs> I'm comfortable with. So, so five to eight, we're saying. Yeah, five to eight is the is the good. You know, listen, yeah. Marvel, DC, Image, everybody else. Only no. give me eight book, five to eight bucks a week, please. If I'm spending twelve to fifteen bucks. I don't feel bad. I, you know, I, that's good. That well, makes twelve me to happy. fifteen bucks is like that's three or four bucks. That's not. No, eight. I get a discount at my shop. Oh, so do I. But how do we? How do we feel about the fact that there was five to six Civil War books this week, but there are weeks go by where there's nothing? Well, I think I think this is the first kind of tie-in full swing, and I think from this point point forward, it's going to be some, at least one, at least two or three every week. I'd be surprised if it's not. I think that the kind of they were getting the schedules lined up and all stuff like that. But looking at the books that are supposed to start coming out, I mean, like all the 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 one sh- the the miniseries one shots haven't even started. Um, things like Cable Deadpool, like stuff like that. Like it's going to be Civil War through the. I'm not buying Cable Deadpool, by the way. I actually am going to because I, I I don't buy that book, but I'm really curious as to why Cable's on, on Captain America's side, and basically Iron Man's going to hire Deadpool to hunt down heroes, which is great. You don't know why Cable would be on the side of the people who don't want to be registered. Well, no, I know why, but I want to know why. I want to uh, like. I'm sorry, not that I don't know why, but Do I want to see him come to. The, I want to come to that decision. So, um, I will say, in the spirit of buying so many books this week, I did cut Moon Knight because uh, I don't have any more room for life, for books that I'm on the yeah. fence about. I I I also dropped. Uh, I went in and I was like, all right, I can't buy 14 books again. I just can't keep doing it. And I was trying to look, and I didn't really have anything to cut. But I noticed a new Action Comics came out, and somehow I'd missed the last Superman, and I really wasn't enjoying that all that much. So I went away from that one. It was good. It was the best one. But um... yeah, of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Oh, um, before we move on any further, I totally forgot. How good was the Howard Chaykin art on New Avengers 21? Spindly legs. I liked I, it a I, lot. I loved it a lot. I loved it. I, I was surprised that you both liked it because this is this is actually if you have been listening to us, you know that this is sort of the opposite of what normally happens. Is that I, I don't really like. I didn't. I mean, I, I realized that Howard Chaykin is a legendary artist, and I'm sure that his work fit very well with some of the stuff he'd done in the past. I didn't think it fit very well with an Avengers book. I thought more of a traditional art artist would have been. But you know, well, what about it? it just, what about it didn't fit in the Avengers book? I, well, yeah. what I didn't like was just solely from a standpoint of of anatomy. Uh, there was a couple of panels where he just looked really weird, and the legs were not right, and and I, I mean, and that's okay on some kind of smaller books, that, but it's Avengers, you know, it, it's it doesn't it doesn't seem right uh, there. Listen, yeah, I I didn't even mind the one last week that everybody hated, so yeah, that I mean, is so maybe, weird. What is going on with us? Yeah, if you like the Adada last week better than Chaken this week, then, then I didn't we, say I liked him, but just it's more <laughs> fitting with Avengers. 
Uh, it was suppose. so great. To, it was so great to see Chaykin in a in a mainstream in a like in a mainstream kind of high number book again to see, to let people see like it was. I mean, all, every shot with Captain America with the shield looked great. He does and, awesome faces. And, yeah, he does. And admittedly, this is not. I mean, it's it's a style that people aren't going to be used to. It's not like you know Jim Lee or Rob Liefeld or any of those. Yeah. I hate you know, Jim Lee. You know. But, um, Rob Liefeld is not the standard I'm talking about. No, 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 no. But if you look at if you look at all the artists that are around now, the, a lot of the, a lot of the artists that came out, a lot of their bases are around you know the early '90s. Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, Art Adams, like those those kind uh, of artists. Stop and, saying the name of the devil, please. Those aren't the ones that I'm talking about. I mean, like I think that the new style of things, the Steve McNivens, the John Cassidy's, the uh, other people. George <laughs> Brown. Sorry, I would say. So where where do they owe their influences from? Um, I think a lot of that comes from Brian Bolland. Um, I don't know. I'm tired. Yeah, I, I would say I would say the John Cassidy's and the Stephen Nivens owe more to Howard Chaykin than than to than to a lot of the other artists. Oh, you know, I don't like, know about that. I find I, I think mean I like, would I I you know like this the Howard Chaykins and the and the Neil Adams and stuff like that. Absolutely. I think I think it's a cleaned up. See, I don't I don't put Howard Chaykin in the Neil Adams. I think there's a line from like George Perez to Alan Davis to to um. To John Cassidy to Steve McNiven, like those those have seem to have something in common stylistically. Whereas whereas I put Howard Chaykin in more of like a Frank Miller kind of camp where like it has its own look and feel and doesn't really look like anything else. And it works for some sense. things. Yeah, uh, and, and I don't mind it really. I, I like I like the idea of Howard Chaykin being on there more than I like the reality of it. I'm glad that they have him on there. I'm glad that people get to know him, and I hope that people like it and then go back and they say, "Well, I need to read some of Howard Chaykin's work yeah. because that's important and significant work." But I, I, I don't. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I, I didn't anyway. really. I didn't. I didn't love this issue of Avengers. I just thought there was some. Ah, it was great. Very Definitely. weird. I mean, even if you like the art, I thought the story was really, the story was really was strong, strong, important. It was, really it was strong. I mean, yeah, I don't know. So, what did you like this week? I well, I mean, like I said, I I thought Daredevil was the greatest thing since sliced cheese. However, I did want to take a minute to bring up um, a book that came out this week that neither of you guys read. Um, somebody's gonna be mad because we don't mention Fifty Two, which was actually really good, by the way. Ah, whatever. We got we got freaking 42 more issues I know that to do. I was, I was saying disappointed is, uh, that Elongated Man shaved so I'm gonna yeah to I know Yeah, it was a really good issue of 52 we can talk about it on the website there if you want to bring it up over there anyway um, I wanted to bring up Lucifer uh, number 75 which was the final issue kind of snuck up on me I knew it was ending but I didn't know this was going to be the last one makes sense 75 issues which is exactly how many issues that they had and I don't want to hear it out of you Ron exactly how many issues there were of Sandman and uh, <laughs> basically this book is a spin-off from Sandman um, you don't have to have read Sandman beforehand. It's actually a completely different type of story. I would say it's much, much more coherent and uh, linear. Basically, it's a story about Lucifer, Satan, the devil, the morning star, what have you, um, which is, you know, biblically a story of the angel who, who decided, you know, not to be part of God's plan and he fell and therefore he ended up being the ruler of hell. And of course, we've always traditionally known Satan as being the bad guy, the trickster, the awful, you know, like the the root of all evil and everything like that. But that's not how this book is written. This book is really and it's it's 75 issues. It's a big 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 long story and um I honestly can't think of a more coherent sort of driven book that I've read for this long. It's been the same artist, same writer all the way through. It started telling a story and for this whole time, it's been driving towards the end of this story. It's just, it's been so good and so literate and so intelligent. But without being sort of, a lot of times somebody says something intelligent and you don't quite get it. It's not hard to grasp. It's, it's dense, but it's very good. And uh, one thing that really struck me about this, which was something I'd never seen before, uh, there are four or five pages in the middle of this which recap a scene from Sandman when Lucifer first appears. And the Sandman goes and he meets... Lucifer and basically Lucifer gives him the key to hell and Lucifer tells him I quit I'm leaving and that's sort of where this book sort of starts because you, you find Lucifer after he's left hell and he's sort of doing whatever else he wants to anyway what it is it's five pages of dialogue directly from Gaiman but now all of this dialogue has a completely different perspective than what it had in Sandman and, and you, it's, it's, it's just it's a really neat experiment that was done it's not an experiment because I think it was successful, is that all of a sudden it has this other context, this other feeling, and you know where Lucifer is coming from, whereas when you read it in Sandman the first time, it just seems like he was like playing a trick or he was being a jerk, when really you find out now he's being sincere, and maybe that was part of his trick. Anyways, it, this book, uh, a fantastic ending to a really, really great series. 
um, and go out and get the trades if you. If well, you you've been talking about this book for the entire length of. I have been reading the life of Ice Anvil, and I, I think at this point I'm probably convinced enough to start buying um, or buy the first trade anyway. Yeah, I'd say within the first one or two trades, if you, I mean, it's the level of quality never goes down. And, and most people I know who've started reading it have really liked it. I mean, it's not a it's the same. Book. It was the same creative team throughout the entire run, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's great. I can really that. great. That's cool. Um, it's just. But the most important question balance. that Ron wants to know is: Is he doing cover art too? <laughs> no, uh, no. As a painter who does the cover. Oh! Yeah, but is the same. But does the same painter do all the covers? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fine. So the team is there. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to get back on that topic. But anyway. <laughs> um. I mean, like I, this I, cover. I'm gonna start buying it. I'm gonna start buying it. It's it's good. I think there are ten trades out, maybe eleven. I I really dug it. Uh, I, I liked it a lot, and it ended cool. great. That's one of those other things. Like something, so a lot of things start out great. It ended great. It was a fine ending. Cool. Didn't drag on too long. Anyway, so it, that's Go really one of my big big recommendations. Awesome. All right. Well, that was a lot of comics. <laughs> well, that was um, you pick six books for your pick of the week, Rob. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. This is I why hated I, you on, of you... I hated you on Wednesday. I'm sorry. I, cause I normally, you know, I read my books late on Wednesday unless I have to pick, and I make a point of checking the website to see what the pick was to make sure I read that book so that I can join in the conversation. And then I saw six books, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to go to Connecticut and beat you to death. Well, I started reading at 6 p.m., so I, I, got, I got a leg up on you, I guess. So I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, so now's about a good time to talk about geekarmor.com. <laughs> Our lovely sponsor this week is GeekArmor.com, uh, who sell T-shirts uh, that are a- targeted at the geeks. Some um, would say some of them are snarky, or exactly. witty. They um, all a lot the Geek of com- Armor in the world couldn't have saved you from my beating last week. <laughs> nice. A lot of comic book T-shirts, uh, video games, sci-fi, movie, TV T-shirts. Um, if you go to GeekArmor.com, I'm sure you'll find something that you dig. Um, they've got uh, their latest original design is a red shirt with a phaser hole in the front. And it says, "I went on a away mission and all I got was this lousy T-shirt." Is that the is guy who gets of... killed every time? Yeah, Star Trek, which is pretty funny. That's uh-huh. a good, the ensign. Uh-huh. So, um, also, what's really cool is that if you go to geekarmor.com and use the coupon code iFanboy, that's I F A N B O Y, um, you get ten percent off um, your first order, which is very, very cool and very generous of them. So, and that's good until the end of July. So uh, go to geekarmor.com, that's G-E-E-K-A-R-M-O-R.com, and check it out. So we all need to wear shirts, so might as well buy them from here. So. <laughs> that's, that's the worst pitch I've ever heard. We yeah, all need to buy well, shirts, well, you might need as well it, buy so. them from them. You Unless know, we went to a restaurant, you got to eat. <laughs> so, um, so thank you, Geek Armor, for sponsoring this episode of iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. Um, so what else has been going on this week? We, we got one letter. Yeah. Which I think we can talk about. Well, not that you we got one, but one letter we, we're talking about. You don't tell um, them we only got one letter. You tell them we got tons, but we've only got no. Tons we we did. One. We did get more than one, but we got one letter worth talking about, which was from um, someone who wrote in previously, name of the bat, and the <laughs> who. <laughs> Connor would still have words with you. I would. I was. He, he's got a real name, which I um, don't have in front of me, so I apologize for that. But um, he wrote in to say he introduced the podcast to his fiance who thinks comics and anything to do with comics except for movies apparently are for dorks. But she loves him anyway, uh, supposedly. She wondered how old we were and um, because she doesn't understand anybody loving comics at the age of 31, which is how old the bat is, and what we would do for a living um, and if we had kids. And <laughs> why. God no. God no. <laughs> so... We're all we're all of the twenty nine ish age, right? Twenty eight. Con- Connor's a youngin. Don't be aging me prematurely. So we haven't yeah. gone over that thirty hump, but I I talk about it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm almost you still- thirty. Do you know how many times I, mean, I say I think, that in a day? I, th- I think the whole thing is that is that you know is that comics really aren't for dorks, and that the, they're the bat's fiance needs to go to the comic store on Wednesday and see that there are no actual kids in the comic store. It's Everyone there is twenty five to thirty five. Easy. Right. <laughs> We were kids at one point, but now we're all adults. So yeah, it's, it's, she, needs, yeah. she needs to go check it out and see that it's all, um, A, it's all 25-ish and up, and it's all not dorks. Exactly. Only half. So. <laughs> well, there are some. I'm not going to say there aren't any. You need to school her there, the bat. School yeah. her. Yeah. So What you got to um, do is give her some books. Yeah. You got to give her some of the stuff, and you got to get her over the hump of, I don't want to read this as a comic right. book. Go get something like uh, we've done this before, but uh, yeah, box office again. poison or you know something something out of the superhero realm. And Strangers, 
Strangers, Strangers in Paradise. Give her Strangers in Paradise, and she'll you'll and she'll understand. So it's a storytelling medium. That's all. It's not. It's, it's know, just like TV. It's just like movies. It's just like radio shows. It's just another way to tell a story. Radio shows. Yeah, they used to have old radio shows. <laughs> Say goodnight, Gracie. <laughs> I'm tr- I, I couldn't think of anything other than TV or movies. A book, a novel. It's got pictures. Come on. <laughs> this week on NBC Soap Opera Hour. <laughs> hey, Jimmy. Uh, I shake a big piece of foil for Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Who's at the door? <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not Nazis. <laughs> All right, so. Yeah. So, yeah, so comics are not for, for kids or for dorks. Um, they're yes. for regular people who are... Adults and like. And speaking things. of regular people for adults, how many people joined the Frapper map this week? A lot. It was a, 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 a He's not going to tell us how many. We did have a. Two eighteen. We're at two hundred eighteen. Yeah. Um, a lot of people. Yeah, we got lots of uh, interesting posts. We got one from um, Todd Kearns in Michigan who says he wanted to give us a shout out. He loves the show, and Ron is the coolest whiner in comics journalism. <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment. We're not I journalists. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna go on my on my um, press clipping sheet. I think you should get a business card with it. Yeah, good idea. So good you're idea. the coolest whiner in comics journalism. Connor's got the creepy voice, and I'm the other guy. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> who doesn't really know anything about comics? <laughs> <laughs> who said that, Connor? I didn't anyway. say that. <laughs> Connor, be nice to Josh. <laughs> we also got Denise in South Ozone Park, Queens, and we got Steven in Richmond, Virginia, and Beastie in Sumter, South Carolina. John in Michigan, and we got another another um, England pin from John Wilson. And John, we send our condolences on uh, the World Cup. Now yes, you know how we feel. Yeah, exactly. Um, meanwhile, oh, lots of people, yeah. lots of people. Two eighteen. Meanwhile, good. it is it is halftime, and Brazil and France are tied at zero. Way to way to date us. This is supposed to be timeless. That's fine. You just pinned it down. Damn it. Um, Maintain I the thought- mystery. I, I, I love the fact that we've got so many fans in the UK, but like we've told our folks in the US, um, on iTunes is a completely different thing in the UK. And any comments that people leave for us in the United States don't carry over to the folks in, in the UK or any other country. So if you're in another country and you use iTunes, leave us a comment. Tell everybody what you think of the podcast. We assume yeah, we only have one, one comment on iTunes in the UK. Yes. How so I know that, I'm not revealing. Yes. <laughs> Um, and also, if, if you're in the if you're in the U.S., you know, in, and you're in iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment. Tell everybody what you think of the podcast. Um, so. so go to Frapper. Go to ifanboy.com. That's not even close to being right. Go to Frapper.com slash ifanboy and stick your pin in. Say hi. Tell us where you're from. Or you can go to ifanboy.com. Click on the link in the upper right hand corner. That'll take yeah. you to the map also. And when you're at ifanboy.com, stick around. Read some of the conversations that have been going on. We've been had a lot of great discussion about Superman Returns this week, and um, as well as the the um, not nearly as not nearly as controversial as the X Men. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I mean, not a lot to fight much, about. Yeah, pretty much everyone just kind of agreeing that they enjoyed it. So. All right, so yeah. I'm going to go ahead and reverse my my opinion. This movie was awful, and anyone who likes it is terrible. <laughs> see if that can spur some comment. No, all right, all right no, not so much. <laughs> that um, was lame. I'm sorry. If you um, so go to ifanboy.com and check out, you know, get in on the discussion. Um, if you have any questions for us, or you want to get our opinion of something, or you want to hear your name on the podcast, um, shoot us an email at contact.ifanboy.com. Um, we'll, we like to field your questions. So, um, and also um, when you're online, you know, if you like, we said go to iTunes, or if you go to podcastalley.com, you can write a review there or vote for us there as well. So um, basically, we're looking to all of you to spread the ifanboy word. So um, yes. we need we need you, the ifanboy army. Do our work um, for us. If you like what you hear or you um, like what you read on the site, um, you can go to ifanboy.com slash donations or you can click on the donation box on the website and you can, um, you know, float us, float us some cash, you know, help, help keep us solvent. <laughs> our recommended, our, uh, recommended Where is donation, that money? I haven't seen it yet. Our recommended donation is a dollar uh, for an episode. Uh, and if you like what you hear on an ongoing basis, you can sign up for a monthly or yearly kind of donation subscription of, um, uh, I think, 3 bucks for a month or 20 bucks for the year. So, we definitely um, appreciate that our expenses yes. that are incurred. Thank you. Thank you for your support. And thanks to everybody. So, Again, if you donated, you are among the – you're a wonderful person. Thank you. Yes, we express a large amount of gratitude to our, all, of our, all of our current and future donators. So thank you. All right. Well, oh. I'm going to get back to the World Cup. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I want to get this phone off my ear. I think I've yes. lost all feeling in my left ear. <laughs> that was that was a heck of a week of comic books. That was. It was. And, and it I love good comics, but I'm hoping for a break this week. Yeah, we'll do it all, all again next week. Yeah. 
Yeah, this this is why, by the way, if you're wondering why we don't talk about every book that comes out, this is this why. is what you get. Yep. <laughs> we didn't even talk about every book. We talked about less than half. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. I didn't even mention Batman, which was really good. It was good. See, that's what the website's for, though. Go there. If we missed anything, go yeah, talk about us, it on the. Tell us what you liked. If you liked Fifty Two or Batman or Superman or Runaways or any of the other books that came out this week, um, let us know. It wasn't a bad pick in the lot this week. I don't think it wasn't. It was. It was. A, it was a tough week to to find one good one. There was uh, all thirteen of mine were actually really good. So. All right, so let's continue this on the site. Um, I'm Josh, and I'm Ron, I'm, and I'm Connor on the phone from Arizona. <laughs> People are going to actually think you're in Arizona. <laughs> I'm not, not. You know, although it feels like it. Hopefully next week the computer problem will be fixed, and yeah, I'll be hopefully. back. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you again next weekend, and um, hope you have a good week. Bye, everybody. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Something like 36? Who are you, boys? What is that anyway, something like 36? Does that include me? Um, 37. I'm 37? I'm going to class. Oh, my God.